All right. Welcome to Unseen Supreme, the non-essential movie podcast. This is episode two, The Little Rascals. I'm Maddie. I'm Holden. And I'm John. And here we go. So last time we talked about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And how much y'all loved it. Mm-hmm. And how much John loved it and how much I hate uh, Kirk. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we took the quiz. Holden and I took John's quiz. And I won with a perfect 10 out of 10 score. Let's not oh get into gosh. that. Oh my gosh. And 10 out of 10, Holden. How does that make you feel? Well, keep rubbing it in and I'll tell you how uh, I feel. 10. All 10. All 10. Even the bonus questions. That's I right. told you she's good at knowing that stuff, and she doesn't she's, even like Kirk. She still got all ten questions. Like I can, no, I can oh. flash this piece of paper up in front of her, and she memorized every quote that I wrote down. That's what makes me a good actor. Mm-hmm. Are you a savant? Yes. So I chose the Little Rascals for this episode. So we have all watched the Little Rascals at least once uh, between last time and now, and we all loved it. It was a movie. It had acting in it. That's, you know, it was it was really fun, though. We're going to dig real deep into this movie, which deserves scrutiny. You know, I don't think a lot of people have. I tried looking up some stuff on The Little Rascals, and it was hard to find somebody laying it out for... Not a lot of, not a lot of vid, vid blog movie criticism on this movie. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, folks, that's what makes this podcast unique, is that you're, you're getting the nitty-gritty that no one has thought about putting online. I- that's right. Nair on anyone's radar was this movie, but here we are. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know how many views these clips of Little Rascals has? Like millions, millions. So there are people out there who have an, a strong affinity for the Little Rascals. And I think we're going to be speaking to y'all today. My wife is one of them. And she's also our only listener. So we're in good company. Throughout history, men have formed secret societies based upon loyalty fraternity, and one unbreakable rule. No girls allowed. The Little Rascals, Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment. These kids have their differences. They all have what it takes to be Little Rascals. The Little Rascals, directed by Penelope Spheris, was released in August of 1994. It was based on a series of short, silent films from the 1920s and 30s by Hal Roach called Our Gang. Uh, It was then released in syndication on TV under the name The Little Rascals. I'm pretty sure I walked into the living room one day and my dad was watching the original. And I kept going because it was not interesting to me. TV show from what, the 30s, 40s? 20s and 30s, yeah. Right? That's a a real long time ago. (laughs) And were they homeless in those? I don't think they've ever been homeless. This is something you've constructed in your head. That well, these we're going to talk homeless. about this later about how I don't think their parents care for them. So, you know, can't wait. Keep, keep going. Uh, so let's talk about 1994. It was a big year for family movies. The Lion King was released that year. It oh, was the top one. worldwide grocer. And I think Disney's biggest movie so far. Uh, Lion King was then overtaken in North America by Forrest Gump. 
which went on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1995. I have seen that movie. Have you? Mm -hmm. I have too as well. I have too as well. Yeah, it's me and my wife's favorite movie. We we quote it to each other all the time. Uh, Because I'm a lot like Forrest Gump without all the accolades. (laughs) You are? Did you serve in Vietnam? No, just just low IQ. <laughs> he said without all the accolades. <laughs> yeah. Okay, other notable films from 1994: Dumb and Dumber, The Flintstones, Lassie, Little Women, the 1994 version, obviously, The Mask, and Pulp Fiction. Also, Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, big, good year. Big year for movies. Big year uh, for Jim Carrey, apparently. A lot of TV shows made into movies this year, apparently. Uh, Schindler's List won the Oscar that year in 1994 for Best Picture. Also lots of other Oscars. Also in 1994, Apple released the Power Macintosh computer. O.J. Simpson fled from the police in his infamous white Ford Bronco. And Sony released the PlayStation. Hey, I got one of those. Yeah, so that's the that's the year the Little Rascals came out. I can't see why in that list of movies that this one didn't perform as well. But is that sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, yes. unadulterated sarcasm. <laughs> I Unfiltered. Mean, Pulp Fiction, The Little Rascals. Right. I mean, how can you even compare them? Very similar stories. I think they were learning that just getting kids to do voice acting was a lot easier than putting them in front of a camera. Hence why these kids went on to voice some of the characters in The Lion King and Above Life. I looked at that. I don't I don't I didn't see them all going on to have much of a career after this movie. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Also, how old are these kids? I think most of them are around 10. Uh, okay. The kid who plays Porky, who you can tell is really young. He's, he was four, I believe. He was born in 90. And that's uh, Buckwheat's best friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those, two were, those two were my favorite. They're oh, so yeah. cute. They're my favorites, too. So uh, why I love this movie, I was nine months when it came out. Uh, so I didn't... Nine? I was nine, nine months? months old. I was nine months old in August of nineteen. So you were there. You were there opening night in the theater. Then I was. <laughs> I was wearing my alfalfa uh, cowlick, um, Justin suspenders. I was ready. What month did this come out? August. 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 So I was about to turn two the two. next year. I was about to turn sixteen. There's the there's the gap, folks. So you can see why this movie wasn't on my radar. I was 16 years old in high school. All I wanted to do was sit in my room and brood. There was no way this movie was going to be introduced into my viewing schedule. Did you see any of these movies when you were 16? Did you? I'm sure you saw Forrest Gump. Absolutely. Jurassic Park and oh, of The Mask. Yes. And Dumb and Dumber. I did. And... <laughs> Pulp Fiction. I did see that too. Mm. But I did not see Little Rascals. Well, you're lost, clearly. Um, yes, so this, this movie means a lot to me. I watched it a ton growing up. I've probably seen it at least two dozen times, way too many times. But it, it, it had actually been a while since I had seen it until I watched it again the other day. So um, I'm excited to revisit it. Why did this impact you so much as a kid? I thought it was so silly. And I was like, oh... Look at them, young love. They're around my age. I want to read the synopsis real quick. Okay. Spanky, Alfalfa, Buckwheat, and the other characters made famous in the Our Gang shorts of the 1920s and 1930s are brought back to life in this nostalgic children's comedy. 
When Alfalfa starts to question his devotion to the club's principles after falling for the beautiful nine-year-old Darla, the rest of the gang sets out to keep them apart. There's no way that girl was nine. That girl was, was nine? not nine. That was like third grade. <laughs> she looked way younger than that. I don't know. I think she, she was had, about that old. Most of them are like 10. She had okay. tiny little short teeth. <laughs> That's the tiny little short teeth. Baby teeth. <laughs> That's what she had. That's all I, I could see in those just little tiny teeth. I, I clearly have no idea how old kids are. They just seemed really, really young. Maddie apparently is like my grandfather with cars. You just look at it and can tell you how old it is, what make it is. And you're saying I'm like that with kids? You're like that with kids. You can be like 10, 3. Yeah, I'm a little... I don't like the comparison. Guys, don't read into it. Okay. I'm a little creeped out. Well, that's your prerogative. Okay. I love that phrase. He does. All right. Let's let's get into it, because I think we really want to uh, talk and debate this movie. Yeah. Um, I, my first question for you two is about... The movie's themes. What do you feel are the important themes in this movie? How would you categorize the movie in, in terms of genre? And what do you think kind of the message of this movie is? I don't know. What is, is kids movie a genre? Yeah. 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 Because I think while it can be a romance, I also think it could be an adventure, a little slapstick comedy. That's why I say mix match. It's like a mixed mishmash. I say mishmash. Yeah, mishmash. Mishmash. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I think it's a children's comedy as well. But there are some things in this movie that kind of raise an eyebrow, Uh, like such uh, as. uh, All right, so there was just a lot of things that made me kind of just audibly say what, like when I was watching this movie. (laughs) <laughs> or why? I'm not. I don't even want to say question. This it. This doesn't just feel like it's just strictly made for kids. I think they were trying to add things to make it worth the while of what the adults that also had to watch it with the kids. And but. also the cameos don't necessarily have any. I mean, the characters' names are maybe people that have shown up in past, you know, episodes of the older show, like Mrs. Crabtree. Yeah, like they were just like Mrs. Crabtree, and then you're like, oh, her. Uh, um, were those were those original um were those characters from the original that were sort of cameo okay. at least mrs crabtree was yeah it's just stuff like this in the closing credits they have like this sort of you know when they're introducing the characters they show like their outtakes right mm-hmm. but for hers during the talent show scene you know alfalfa drinks soapy water so bubbles are coming out of his mouth so in, in right. the closing credits we see two bubbles fly in and then pop on her nipples it was at this time that John realized he had made a poor choice of words. Boobies would have been far more appropriate in this setting. John would like to apologize for his severe lack of decorum. Didn't even see that. I definitely didn't see that. I'm not surprised. It was also at this time that John realized that he was, apparently, the only one staring at Daryl Hannah's chest during the closing credits. What a dork. In my mind, this is a kid's movie, right? So if it's a, if it's a kid's movie... And we're not trying to walk that line of it, of it being for adults and children. Why do we have this sort of adult humor sort of shoehorned into this kids movie? Maybe the other day when I rewatched it, I was still watching with my same like 10 year old brain, but I didn't notice any phallic jokes. I didn't I didn't notice any of the um, 
adult humor. It yeah. flew over my head like as a 26 year old. Yeah, I think that's something we need to talk about is just like if we're going to answer that question of is this intended for kids or is this intended for adults? I think we fully need to talk about all of the references that we get the double entendres and all of those things that I, I know we can't scan through everything because I obviously miss miss the bubbles popping over the boobs. But I think that's something we should comb over to maybe answer that question ourselves. And what's what's the kid who smokes two packs of cigarettes a day? What's his name? Froggy? Is that his voice? No. This is in this is in the trivia section, but actually Froggy's voice was Elizabeth, also known as E. G. Daly, and she's done you've heard her voice a million times. She was Tommy Pickles and Rugrats. She's also oh, Buttercup okay. so and Powerpuff Girls. Voice actor. She yeah, she's a huh. huge voice actor. Well, yeah. At the beginning of the movie, he has a little joke where he's like, I forget what girl offended him, but like his way of dealing with that was saying, I pulled out my lizard. Whipped out my lizard. Yeah, there's this girl who moved in across the street, yeah. and she came over because she wanted to play. Yeah. But don't worry, I got back in her. What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? I whipped out my lizard. Hmm. Oh, right. Yeah! And then everybody went, oh, good. And then he holds his lizard up. He doesn't hold it up for the camera to see. Like, he holds it down near his his crotch. I never, never, ever thought anything was up with that. Holden had to explain. What what did you explain to me? I'm missing what. Oh, drain the lizard. Have you heard that? Is that in the movie? No. No. Uh, Do you know what drain the lizard means? Well, yeah. Tell me what it, what you think it means. No, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go drain the lizard. Just to go pee. Yeah. Okay, but he was he was trying to tell me that the lizard was a phallic symbol. And I was like, what is what is a lizard have anything? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so then he explained that to me. And oh, he basically, like, ruined my entire childhood. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. So I, I guess if you're an innocent and watching this movie, all this stuff's just going to fly completely over your head. And we jump we jumped hard into this. We came hard <laughs> into little rascals straight to the the double entendre in your innuendo discussion. Cause there is a lot to like about I, I don't want to just shit all over this movie. There's a lot of fun stuff that's happening. Thank but you. But these are things that I noticed. I did actually like and I enjoyed watching it. It Tiffany turns out it's one of her favorite movies from her childhood. So we had a good time watching it. These good. are just things that like my adult brain goes, why is this stuff? in this children's movie because I, think... I am a southern gentleman mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> good for you um what re-watching it as an adult i think what the filmmakers did was use kids in funny situations in order to tell an adult story not adult as in inappropriate but adult as in you know the themes of romance and wooing and breakups and i guess that would imply that there was some purpose to that narrative then like they were trying to make a point is that what you're i don't i don't know if i would give them that much credit it may you know the the thing about all the situations most of the situations that they get into and the bits that happen in the movie are pulled directly from the original And all of those are really fun. Like, those land really well. One of my favorite scenes was the 
uh, fishing scene between Buckwheat Mine and... Mine, too. I loved that. That is at the top of my list of great gags. Fishing gag with Porky and Buckwheat. Fishing gag. You have a list of great... Oh, from the movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you just had a running list of best <laughs> gags you've ever seen in your lifetime. That, that is... Yeah, that's made my personal list. I'm going to... It's a long <laughs> list in his iPhone notes. That's great. Uh, okay, I have a fun question for you two. Okay. And this is, you know, watching it as an adult, this never would have crossed my mind as a kid, mm. but I had to ask myself, is this a feminist movie? It's a good question. It's also a question that you're asking to men. Sure. I would much rather be educated on if this was or not. I think, I mean, I have thoughts on it, but um, they could also be wrong. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm I'm here to learn. How is do you think that this is a feminist movie? I have to think that it possibly could be. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, as a child, I had no idea what feminism meant, right? Yeah. Uh, but as I'm rewatching it the other day, I did I didn't know until looking it up that the the director was a female. The more we got into the movie. And, you know, obviously one of the big themes is boys versus girls and, you know, girls are gross. We hate them. Boys are gross, but also we love them um, because they're cute and dreamy and have uh, beautiful voices. As the movie goes on, you know, you see Alfalfa, you know, really does have like a deep appreciation for the female species. And then you compare that to Waldo's horrible, gross little misogyny. Right. Uh, And it kind of seems like one of the messages, intended or not, is that girls are powerful. Girls can win go-kart races or almost win go-kart races. Girls are valuable. I, I looked at the adult characters in the movie, and there aren't a ton, but you look at Miss Crabtree... And you look at A.J. Ferguson, Reba McIntyre's character, who is this uh, world-renowned race car driver that the boys really respect, but never would have guessed was a, a girl. Yes, I guess this we're still in an age that predates uh, magazines and uh, internet. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm not one to completely say that like it sticks out as a pro women thing because when we talk about AJ and we talk about Darla winning the race she didn't win she almost won she yeah. almost won she almost won that's right um and uh, Spock's sister is <laughs> in Wrath of Khan yeah not Spock's sister there are more than one family of Vulcans anyway what I I wrote I wrote after Alfalfa gets mad at the kids for ruining his relationship with Darla. I said, is it natural? Is it always natural for a guy to think it's someone else's fault that a girl doesn't like them? Yeah, he finds out they sabotaged the picnic and he's like, oh, that's why Darla doesn't like me. It's not because of anything I did. It's not because I was ashamed of her and tried to hide her. Yeah. That goes a little deeper than I think that this movie wants or tries or can go. It feels like everything's so superficial with these characters. I I actually like that despite... Uh, Holden's revelation about Alfalfa. I like that he re- he respects and that he knows what it what it would be to actually treat a woman. Whereas uh, Waldo, who has an incredibly punchable face, 
doesn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I don't condone hitting children, but I really wanted to punch this kid in the face. I maybe maybe the eight year old version of me wanted to punch Waldo in the face. There you go. I think Alfalfa punched the wrong person at the end of the movie. It's all I'm saying. Mm. Yes, exactly. No retribution for Waldo. But I I think those are the valuable takeaway lessons. But any but the movie also doesn't let the girl characters really have any fun. All, the only thing the girl characters really talk about is just boys and um, how dreamy they are, or how gross they are. Like that's the extent of their conversations. And then Darla ping pongs back and forth between Alfalfa and 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 Waldo like on a dime. So I wish that they had more. I wish that Darla actually did win the race. Right. Because then that reveal would have been even better. The fact that she took over Waldo's position in the car and won the race. I think that that may have helped uh, your idea better. I think right. It- no, that's an excellent point. The movie definitely does not pass the Bechdel test. Um, an important scene to talk about that comments on this in, in an interesting way is the ballet scene. The, the, the alfalfa and Spanky dress up like girls. There's a really unfortunate joke in there as well that I caught. Um, so Spanky and Alfalfa, they're being chased by the bullies, my two, my, my actual favorite characters, <laughs> into I, what, I, the ballet center or whatever you call it, the ballet theater. And yeah. they're getting ready to put on a show. So everyone's in a t- tutu. So to hide from the bullies, they dress up in tutus, right? And then that becomes the gag. And then as soon as they enter a classroom and see the other girls, the first thing that comes out of the girl's mouth, it's like, oh, are you a fairy? Are you a fairy? No, uh, you know, a sugar plum fairy. Oh, well, yes, of course. Like, they had, then they had to qualify the joke. That went over my head. And then there was a couple of other little gags like that that were sort of like, oh, boys dressed as women jokes about and kind of poking fun at that. Which is super 90s. <laughs> yes, very, very 90s. I mean, I was sensitive to that joke, and I'm sure it wasn't even supposed to have any sort of weight but like it would have way more weight now than it did then right i just that is one of the scenes that just sticks out in my mind about boys being pretty with their wigs on and as soon as it gets caught in a tree i think it, it has a message of inclusivity i think that I do think that Alfalfa is a a shining example of how, you know, boys should look at girls. Waldo is obviously just needs to be drop kicked into a ditch. So should his father. Shall we talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) Segway. Donald J. Trump. Yes, the man. Uh, You know what's interesting? I I read it. Here's another little bit of trivia for you guys that uh, I read about just last night. Um, Did you know uh, Donald Trump is on the phone um, in a a couple of shots of the end of this movie? Um, Did you know uh, the person he's actually talking to on his phone is uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky? Uh, And what he says is uh, you can can read his mouths because they dub over him. Um, and he he's he's telling President Zelensky that uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, I wrote you that. Heard it here. I wrote that joke for this podcast. You had me in the first half. I'm not yeah, gonna me lie. Too. <laughs> I mean, he he totally didn't kill himself, but 
<laughs> but that's not um, what this podcast is about. So it, I, I can't imagine a better father for this Waldo kid. It's just so fitting. Donald J. Trump. I don't think that you meant for this movie to be as timely as you it ended I up being. I did not. Because as no. a kid, I did not know who Donald Trump was or that that was him. I had no idea. He, he, he cameoed a bunch of movies in this time. Mm-hmm. I wrote this line down. Um, <laughs> I got to find it. I got to find it real fast. I know, I know what, what you're, talking you're talking about. <laughs> You're the best son money can buy. Yep. I truly believe he bought this kid. <laughs> <laughs> he paid money for this child. I don't know in what context, uh, but I I wouldn't I I fully believe that line is truth and not a joke. Then it should be very funny that the kid slightly resembles his son Eric Trump. Oh yeah, kind of does. Uh, also, his eyebrows were freaking out of control. Oh my gosh, they were like gelled up. Okay, yes, that's Waldo's very popular eyebrows? right now. No, he looked like a crazy person even then. He's always, well, he's always been hideous, like objectively. But I guess we've now, I guess we've now entered into the territory where we all let people know our political stance on things. Uh, I voted for him. Very subtly. <laughs> In hindsight, or as of now, in retrospect, at where we're at now in our lives, like Donald J. Trump being Waldo's father makes absolute freaking sense. We're going to cast you as this. Sh- no, but sh- here's the thing. Like, no, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I know where you're going. I was just going to. I started to curse and then <laughs> I burped and then I decided not to say it. The thing about. Trump and being in, you know, making cameos, he always, well, usually he played himself, and it was always to play this, like, rich character. He was always playing himself, this rich of course. character. So I don't think he would have been offended. I don't think he has the sensibility to be offended. He probably thought... No. Uh, no. Or maybe either he is able to laugh at himself or he's not. I, it's publicity I think, for his business. I just think it probably didn't register with him. No. But maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. So before we leave the Trump cameo, someone I was constantly wondering about was Waldo's driver, who just was always <laughs> in the background lurching. Like, this is how dark I am. At some point in the movie, I'd fully expected that guy to whip out a piano wire and just choke Waldo out. Like, <laughs> maybe it was just what I would like for that character. I really wanted to know what his day was like just, and how much, how much he hated having to drive that kid around. That was an aside. We can continue. <laughs> no, I think that's that's a great uh, great point. That would be another fun movie. I would watch that movie. It's just, he turns out to be like a homicidal hitman or something. I like to, um, as an actor, I like to watch a movie or a TV show and pick out which extra track I would want. Um, and I think in The Little Rascals, I would either want to be one of the people about to get hit by the go-karts or uh, the the Trump's driver. I would want to be George Went. Howdy, mister. Fair enough. Me and my buddies have to build a new clubhouse. We need to buy some lumber. What kind? Wood. We took off a collection. There was also a really weird um, homage to a, a movie. There was I don't you. There's probably no way you ought to pick this up. During the soapbox derby scene. They reference a movie The Death Race 3000. You little rascals! Sorry! Ten points for 
I'm like, that is the weirdest thing. Oh, my gosh. Ah. That is the weirdest thing to reference in a kid's movie, Death Race 3000. The big score, anyone, any sex, over 75 years old, has been upped to 100 points. As always, how fast you move determines how long you live. So funny. I was definitely in that derby race. What is the... My only frame of reference is the cartoon version of those. What is those racing cart? I don't even know what that's called. The racing cartoons where there's like the villain and the dog who goes. (laughs) (laughs) Speed racer. Speed racer. Yeah. It was a full on speed racer reference because Waldo's thing even has like a upside down W on it. Doesn't speed racers have like an M? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. That's pretty cool. Um, Sorry, we're jumping all over the place here, Maddie. I apologize. That's okay. One of the other points I wanted to hit on was the comedy. Um, You know, we've talked about the gangs and the situations, um, and a lot of those being from our gang, the original show. Uh, I also noticed the editing style. A lot Mm. of times there would just be cuts to the kids' reactions, and they would be, like, huge, like, not truthful at all, but just, like, funny faces. Oh, yeah. Real big. One of my favorite scenes kind of on this topic was the lightning scene. The boys are in their burned down playhouse uh, clubhouse and the girls are at, I guess, like a, a slumber party with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Their cameo. That's another one. That's when we have like this sort of, they're all listing off of why they don't like the other sex. Uh, but then there's lightning happening and they're all scared by it. So I kind of liked how they cross cut back and forth. Why do they have to be so different? Hmm. Girls get along with each other. Boys stand up for themselves. Girls care. Boys take what's theirs. Boys won't listen. All they want to do is talk. They like to moon ya. No, we don't. It's either Alfalfa or uh, Spanky who's walking. One of them's walking on the sidewalk and right above him. The split screen. Yeah. But it's not split screen. It's just the environment looks split screen because they're right. separated. Yeah, yeah. I thought was that really was neat. really smart. I also like how, I don't know which character it was, but the little when the clubhouse was burning down and the little kid, when Guardian Levio said that, that fire hose. Oh, I loved that. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, and then when Buckwheat and Porky go to call 911 and they finally reach the payphone and Buckwheat goes, yes. what's the number for 911? That's on my gag list of favorite gags. It's so, so good. It doesn't even matter that they pull away and we see the firehouse across the street, but it's just them waiting in line (laughs) at a payphone. That that tickled me. I was tickled. You said something that reminded me of this was the lightning scene where it's pretty much kind of showing that these boys and these girls are the, they're the same. And I wanted to go back because, uh, you know, before the podcast, before we recorded, I had mentioned to Maddie and John that, you know, I'm going to make an argument that this is a socialist narrative in some loose term. And Oh, boy. Get that telephone number ready. We're going to get some calls. Yeah, we're going to get some calls. Um, 
<laughs> but I don't know, like, at the end of this, I don't necessarily feel that anybody is on a pedestal higher than the other. But I think what this movie at the end winds up doing is leveling the playing field with everyone. Rather than anyone being over one another, it plays as they're the same. I also made a note about that. It's like, my last section here is what have we learned? You know, like, we learned that girls like lizards and putting stuff in their nose as well. But like the things that they show now, the girls and the boys are in the same clubhouse, but they're all doing what the, the boys like to do so it's always, it comes back to the, the to the boys in this point. movie. Like uh, the girls only want to talk about the boys. And whenever we're all assimilated at the end, it's the it's shots of the girls putting stuff in their nose and like holding lizards and doing this, the stuff that they thought were gross at the beginning. That's a good point. I, I, I think it's fun, but like, I, I think it subverts sort of, if there is a message there, I think that kind of subverts it. Yeah. I also had an epiphany where we talked about this being a kid's movie and then making adult jokes in a kid's movie. And maybe at the end, we all realized that we're just kids. We're all just kids laughing at jokes. And we went to the same movie and we laughed at the same movie. So I'm laughing at the little rascals. My kids laughing at the little rascals. All is well with the world. Socialism. <laughs> socialism. Is that is that socialism? I think it would only be socialism if you force the little kid to share his apple juice. I just like the trigger word. He wants people to call and want, argue with him. I want my Aunt Lisa to just dial up on her rotary phone and bless me out. We don't like Aunt Lisa. How old is your aunt? She's old enough to be mad at socialism. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast. A candle at lunch, I'm dazzled. Excuse me. I seem to have a little farfugnugan. I like stupid humor. I, I mean, there's... My type of stupid in this movie, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of really good, funny gags that just really, really are hilarious. I, I have them written down. Let me see if I can find... Oh, yeah. I want to hear your list of top top gags. All right. Well, a couple of them we've already referenced. So the fishing gag, the waiting for the payphone, the Scooby-Doo. Uh, we've talked about how the kids are in drag and there's the unfortunate fairy joke. Um I loved the four foot man eating chicken. So when they're when they're trying to raise money because they've burned down their clubhouse, they need to raise money to buy lumber from George Went. They they go to what I don't know what they're at, but they set up a tent, which is like a freak show, I guess. And it's yeah, at the carnival. Says, yeah, at the carnival that they four foot man eating chicken, and it just smash cuts to a little boy with a mustache eating. Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was the funniest. That's that is my kind of stupid. Yeah, I love that. That was great. Um, I love the human bubble machine. Like I loved when he. I I just got a kick out of that, especially when he farted and a bubble came out. Oh like, my gosh, that was... <laughs> that's Holden's humor right there too. Mm -hmm. Any any fart you can throw in is right up his alley. Petey, I wish that I had a a carrier puppy that would just send messages to all my friends or like you know basically assemble all of my my crew with my dog i think he was great and i especially liked when everyone was mad at each other Petey's laying on the on the 
the front porch and he just looks at his bowl and turns it over and then just moans. Like, I don't know. I thought that was funny, mm-hmm. but I like dogs. All right, Maddie, what's next? Uh, we've hit most of my talking points, I think. We nailed all of mine. Mine are crossed who, out. Who is the real villain? Oh, yes, I did. I did. Okay. Yes. We've kind of hit on that. We've talked about how I want to dropkick Waldo. And you mentioned that the bullies are your favorite characters. Yes. My favorite characters in this entire movie, Butch and Woim. Woim. <laughs> yeah. I know that they are supposed to be the bullies, and I know they say really awesome stuff like <laughs> calling people doinks and uh, asking Alfalfa when was the last time they beat him up, which is hilarious. Yesterday. <laughs> They're my favorite. They were, they were actually my favorite, and I, you know, they were the outsiders. They re- I feel like they wanted to be part of the gang and just they, didn't know how yes. to express that. Uh, justice for they, they were always there they they were trailing behind the dog at the beginning when he was getting all the rounding up all the kids for the right. clubhouse they were there i i wish i wish that it would have just been i know i know that like the the waldo character was needed to sort of uh act as the foil for alfalfa in his his uh darla relationship storyline but i kind of wish the movie was just about the gang and the bullies like, I wish it could have been just that, because I was getting such a kick out of Butch and William. They were cracking me up to no end. And I love it when they tested their clunky racer. Like, a big story plot point is that they have... I mean, I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you've seen this movie. <laughs> um, when they were testing their racer in the alleyway, and it was just completely falling apart, like, anything I would have built at that age would have been a rolling death trap as well, so I completely... <laughs> You identify with the bullies is what you're telling us. Well, but I wasn't a bully myself, but like they seem to be the ones who were having the most fun, even though they would, even though they weren't because they wanted to be part of the gang, but everything they were doing on the, everything that they were doing on the sideline was hilarious. I saw, uh, Holden write this in his notes after watching the movie, but, um, it's funny how, and this is actually true in like my life as well my childhood but i feel like the the bad kid or the bully is always a redhead oh yeah is that like a thing it's like in from filmmaking? the christmas story i remember the bully in christmas story being a redhead uh, they're soulless godless okay. creatures you have the satan's red hair I, I don't the only other movie i can think of was a christmas story maybe i can't think of any others off the top of my head but i have seen that in other films like and he looked a lot like the kid from A Christmas Story. Yeah, that's why I was like, it, it was a spitting image. Yeah, so maybe it was just a reference to that. But um, those two kids were the best. And that kid just had a head full of teeth. He doesn't look like... Uh, I saw a remake of the poster using the people from like... There was a reunion. I think it was 2018. Yeah. They had like a reunion with most of them. And huh. that... Everyone else pretty much looks the way that they do. And maybe Alfalfa less... But even less so was the redheaded bully that uh, it was Woim. Is that Woim? Yeah, and his red mullet. Yeah, and he's, I was like, who's that guy? Uh, Waldo. I know we hate Waldo, but the actor yeah. who played Waldo today, very attractive. It's not that attractive. <laughs> I had something I wanted to say, and now I can't think of it. How about the clubhouse? 
Their clubhouse ruled. Oh my gosh. I'm sad gorgeous. that we didn't get to see more of it before it was And it all down. went to shit as soon as they let the girl in the club. Very quickly. Within 20 minutes of this movie, she had infiltrated the club, not been directly responsible for, but a part of it's burning down. And she, you know, almost ran off with the blur, which is their racer. One of my favorite parts of that wonderful uh, firefighting scene is her just sitting on the hill, just watching it all burn down and watching all the boys run around frantically trying to put out the fire. And she's just watching. (laughs) And then as soon as the fire's out, Waldo shows up and she pieces off with that kid. Immediately. Like immediately, immediately just, just pouring salt all up in that wound. What do, you, what do you say, Holden? Is this a feminist movie? My, I wasn't trying to say that it was. It was just <laughs> something to discuss. Okay. Also, also the Blur 2, nowhere near as cool as the Blur 1. They made it out of like a washing machine. and Yeah, it looked like scrap metal, scrapyard parts. But the first one was clearly made by someone's father. Yeah. <laughs> was a professional someone, car maker. One of their dads was an engineer, and they clearly helped on that project. But it was even made even cooler when Butch and Warm gave it a slick paint job, mm-hmm. put skulls on it, and silly string uh, smoke. Oh, yeah. I liked that. That's the best. Although they did put their afterburners on backwards, which was hilarious. So silly, guys. <laughs> Since we're talking about the cars, are they soapbox racers or do they have engines? They definitely sounded like they had engines in them because Waldo's car definitely sounded electric. But also, is it just playing into the imaginations of the kids? Oh. See, I was taking it as literal. I'm a very literal person. All this stuff happens well, so literally. I. I th- uh, that's what I was thinking, too. But what are, the, what are the rules of this world? It seems to be all over the place. Um, no rules. Like, what if, what if the bubbles coming out of Alfalfa's mouth and ass were actually just... His imagination, he was just bubble sick. Yeah, but what about, okay, one of my favorite, actually, this is my favorite uh, a background actor moment in the movie is when there's this like middle-aged man who this big bubble that just came out of Alfalfa's mouth floats down to him and he like is so joyful about like smashing his face into it. I think it's yeah. so funny, uh, but no, everyone can see the bubbles. So I think- He was just having fun at the talent show. Really getting a kick out of it. Poor Alfalfa. That's what I thought I would have been. I wouldn't have been laughing or making fun of Alfalfa. I would have been no. like, oh, that's a, yeah, yeah. I would have been in complete awe because that is like some Penn and Teller level It's impressive. Magic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's what I, I, I wrote that down in my notes as like, I wouldn't be laughing at him. I would be cheering. Spanky was constantly trying to shut Alfalfa down at every every turn. They're frenemies. They are frenemies. They're there's multiple villains in this movie, and I think Spanky might be Spanky one Spanky is absolutely one of them, I think. Socialism. They're, they can all be villains at once. <laughs> they can all be villains at once. They can oh, all be goodness. heroes. They're all important. We're all the same. We're just, all of our bones are white. Oh. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think with that last, yeah, you've, you've won me over on that, Holden. They're all socialists. Wow. That, that brought everything to a screeching halt. <laughs> politics is such a sore that. ass issue. I, 
Uh, anything else we want to talk about, or do we want to get on to trivia and then our quiz? So I did have fun watching it, but I am glad that I didn't have to rent it. I guess is the fair enough. That's <laughs> that's my review. Fair enough. Didn't have to didn't have to pay to watch it. <laughs> didn't hurt you at all. I kind of want to see part two where it is just the gang and uh, Butch and Worm, and they become friends. I think it's up to us. I think we need to make more Little Rascals short films, 2020 style. And there's one that's all about the girls and Darla. And there's another one where Darla wins the go-kart race. There needs to be a Netflix show. And and Waldo doesn't come back, but there's like a little a news insert in the background where it's like the he's been arrested for like securities fraud or something. Mm-hmm. Well, like Tax pe- fraud. producers of Fuller House... Uh, get on uh, Larger Rascals. That That's the name of our remake? Big, big Rascals. Big Rascals. Big Gentlemen. Did you... Ew. That's, that's did, That's horrible. <laughs> oh, don't Google that. Good segue to trivia. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I had written Perfect. down some a little bit of trivia. Some of it we've talked about already, but one of the points is that a lot of the original cast members, the ones still living were offended by not being asked to make appearances in the movie. Uh, oh. The original Spanky was asked to appear, but he died before pre-production, so he oh, obviously wow. couldn't. But yeah, apparently it was like a point of contention. Uh, and I haven't... Cause I, I figured it, it's set up like that's a cameo. Like, oh! Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite piece of trivia is that every day before filming began, the director, Penelope Spheris, would hug each and every child in order to form a bond and instill trust. I, I think that's that was very cute. So sweet and a good good way to work with children cuz it can't be easy, right? Well, no. none of them seem I don't think any of those kids were professional actors. One, okay, so this is another trivia point. Uh the actor who played Buckwheat was actually in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was Nicky Banks, super super cute. He's so cute. That's where I recognized him. He was in The Fresh yes. Prince of Bel-Air and then he was in Independence Day. Both okay. with Will Smith. With Smith, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes I that's that rings a bell. But yeah, I think he's the only one who had acted. Maybe a couple of them had done some small stuff. His songs were so great. The pickle song was so great, and the when they start chasing the chicken with the dollar tied around. That's my his favorite leg, moment like, of the whole movie. Im- those were so great. Improvised. It's improvised. Song. Yeah. All all the cutaway stuff that you know the non-story stuff is the best stuff of this movie. Yeah. It's as soon as they start getting into like plot, it's just kind of like, eh. but when they're having fun, that's when this movie really shines. Yeah. Uh, one thing that the director complained about was that the biggest problem that they had on set was shooting with the kids. You know, you see the bloopers at the end of the movie is don't look at the camera, Darla, don't look at the camera, yeah, Darla, don't look can, at the camera, constantly. don't look at the camera. <laughs> I know that was played for as a joke, but like, I could hear in the director's voice her her uh, disdain, actual frustration. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing: during the go kart scene, Waldo says "atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed," which is what Burt Ward as Robin says when the dynamic duo leaves the Batcave in the '60s Batman television series. John, Boom. were you alive then? 1960s. Remember that. I was- <laughs> Uh, no, I was not alive, but I did watch the uh, 60s Batman TV show okay. until 89 Batman came out, and then that was all that mattered in life. 
actually, a lot of the actors, the child actors, went on to have voiceover careers. Several of them provided voices for A Bug's Life in 1998. And uh, two of them provided voices for the TV show Recess in 1997 through 2001. Which, I, that was, like, mine and Holden's time. Did you ever watch Recess? I had uh, Recess on VHS. I think I wasn't allowed to watch it. I've never heard of Recess. I forgot you weren't allowed it to watch it? Time. Was it too... Why weren't you allowed to watch it? It was very um, teenager-y. Yeah. Very I wasn't... I, you know, grew up with, you know, in a conservative Christian home, and there were lots sure. of things I wasn't allowed to watch. Well, I'm surprised you were able to watch Little Rascals. I can relate. I almost wasn't allowed to see 89 Batman because I was only 12 and not 13. It had a PG-13 mm. rating. My first PG-13 movie was seeing uh, The uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, gosh. I was in college. Mm. Cool. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, one more uh, trivia. Uh, this is exciting to the three of us and maybe only the three of us, but the actor who played Alfalfa, Bug Hall, is from Fort Worth, Texas, and the actor hmm. who played Spanky, Travis Tedford, is from Dallas, Texas. Yeah, he had the accent. His little accent. But yeah. Oh, it was adorable. Intense. Uh, are we ready for the quiz? We are. Oh, so ready. Who's going first? Holden. Testing. You're going again. You're going down. I'm, uh, you know. I'm taking you down. I'm, I'm going to start believing it. Aww. I don't take tests well. Well, now I feel bad. There's a lot of pressure yeah. on five questions now. There's seven. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first, Holden? Yeah. I'm going to leave. <laughs> All right. Number one. What? Number one. Oh, I'm going to talk quieter so he doesn't hear me. Number one. Number one. What song does Alfalfa sing to Darla in the boat at the beginning of the movie? Oh, God. Oh, my darling. Clementine. <laughs> Is that your no? final answer? <laughs> I, I guess so. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm just going to go with my gut that's not the right answer is it no it's not but that's okay uh, that moment is one of my favorites in the movie and i sing that song to my sister all the time in the style Wait, of alfalfa it's you are so beautiful by joe cocker oh that's right oh, okay mm -hmm. uh number two sorry i didn't mean to start off with a hard one number two you know this one what is the name of the gang's prized go-kart oh the blur correct and the blur too they had two yeah you're right uh, number three, name one of the pranks the gang pulls on Alfalfa and Darla on their date. Okay, um, they put kitty litter in the peanut butter sandwich. I'm guessing it was peanut in the sandwich. Uh, number four, what famous, this is a two-part question, what f famous ballet do Alfalfa and Spanky have to perform from? Okay. And then, Nutcracker. which number are they performing? Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Uh, no idea. You I've, you kind of have an idea. Because uh, you mentioned it earlier. Oh, Sugar Plum Fairy. Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, no. Totally gave me a hint. I, I could have. I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> I'll give it to Holden, too. Cool. Number five. What's the name of the monkey? Monkey? Oh, they even gave him a credit. <laughs> they did. I love when they give animals credits. I'm uh, there's no way I'm gonna remember I'll be here all day trying to remember that name okay I, uh, tacit 
I almost went with the name of the dog, but I figured that'd be too easy. But you would have gone. Yeah, that yeah that, that's Petey. I I didn't remember the name of the monkey because that's the only time they reference his name is in the closing credits. Unless I'm wrong. I think I think they said it early on. Uh, number six. How how do Alfalfa and Spanky win the go dart go dart go cart <laughs> go dart Kirby? So okay, this this is a layered question. I feel. How do they win? Mm-hmm. Well, they win by a hair, but it's because Alfalfa is on the front end of the cart, putting Darla's handkerchief back on the hubcap. Or no, sorry, not hubcap. The uh, what do you call those things? I you're asking me. Hood ornament. That he was putting Darla's handkerchief on the hood ornament, which was the trophy. Yeah. And then his he just happened to be right. His his calic was sticking out, and that's photo finish. Man, that was the longest answer for that. And I apologize. No, that's totally fine. You were covering your bases. You were correct in the first like five I seconds. I wanted to make sure I got answer. all the all the correct answers. That's fair enough. I would have done the same thing. Uh, okay. Final question: How much money does the gang win in the derby? Three hundred something dollars. I have no idea. I'm, I didn't mean to make this hard. No, no, no. That's okay. You have to pay attention to something. You have to make some of these hard. Well, three hundred something dollars. No. Which I'm sure is wrong. I'm so sorry. That's not correct. Uh, this is the problem with me making the quiz because I've seen this movie so many times. I know it like the back of my hand. So I didn't even like have to look up the answers. I just started like, no. Uh, so my apologies. Okay. So you got... That was, was that was seven? So I got four out of seven? Yeah. Four out of seven. Oh. Okay. That's not so bad. It's not terrible. I feel good. I feel good. Good. So... My my previous assertion was incorrect. I was going to be completely middle of the field. I'm so sorry. But uh, I think you would have done well at the tiebreakers. So we'll see how Holden does. And maybe we can get oh, to the tiebreaker. Tie oh, okay. All right. So I am. I guess I can stay because I've already done it. So we just call him in. Yeah. Yeah. Holden, can you hear awesome. me? All right. I'm back. Oh, you're so not going to win. Sorry. I'm psyching you Should out. Should I? This should I I'm psyching you out. John. No, don't tell him. Don't tell okay. him how many I got. Okay. Let's let him sweat. Okay. Holden. Number one. What song does Alfalfa sing to Darla in the boat at the beginning of the movie? You are so beautiful to me. Is that the name of the song? Maybe. You are so beautiful. Yes, it is. Do you know who is by? Uh-uh. That's okay. Joe Cocker. I mean, you uh, got it. Yeah, no clue. Oh, gosh. Okay, maybe he's going to beat me. Number two. What is the name of the gang's prized go-kart? The Blur. Correct. Number three. Name one of the pranks the gang pulls on Alfalfa and Darla on their date. Uh, they give their they run their grape juice through the sneaker. We call it sneaker juice. Sneaker juice. Uh, other possible answers were the sandwich. That's not oh, sand. Yeah, it's, it's kitty litter. litter. And the whoopee cushion. Mm-hmm. Number four, what famous, this is a two-parter, what famous ballet do Alfalfa and Spanky have to perform from? The Nutcracker. Which number are they performing? The uh, Sugar Plum Dance. The Sugar Dance. Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, number five, what's the name of the monkey? Elmer. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. John's in trouble. Uh, number six, how do Alfalfa and Spanky win the go-kart derby? By a hair. Yeah. By Alfalfa's little, little, little penis joke. 
No, you're not telling me that's a penis reference. I'm sorry. I'll answer again so I don't make a penis joke. Sorry. Here. Not not in that moment. It's not. But when it pops up after he kisses. <gasps> and he goes, boing. And then uh, Reba McIntyre says, is that a calic? Or are you just happy to see me? Those are definitely penis jokes. Oh, man, my whole childhood is ruined. Do you want me to answer so we don't go into penis land? With no, my it's answer? fine. It's fine. It's right. fine. Penn Island. okay last question how much money does the gang win in the derby five hundred dollars good grief he aced it pride comes before the fall john hey this part of the game just trying to psych him out do you guys want to hear the tiebreakers i i accept my defeat yeah give us the tiebreakers uh, so full disclosure, John got a four out of seven. Oh, so. which one did he miss? Uh, he didn't know the song, or the monkey, the monkey's name, or the amount, or of... the money. You yeah. shithead! All right, so yeah. <laughs> that was aggressive. Uh, a bad person. No, I'm. I'm happy for Holden. Can't, Thank you. Can't uh, wait to see I'm, what we have to watch. I'm flustered because I don't have my dice. Well, you're just gonna have to pick, uh-huh. bud. Yeah. Make a decision. Wait, I want you guys to hear the tiebreakers. Yeah, go for it. Okay, tiebreaker. Number one tiebreaker. Uh, somebody sing Buckwheat's signature song after he and Porky chase down the duck. Anybody? Uh, I got a dollar. Got I got a dollar. dollar. Got a dollar. The improvised got a dollar song. Something like that, right? Yep. You're, you're close. Um, hey, 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 got a dollar. Hey, hey, hey. The correct answer is, we got a dollar. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. I told you, I can quote this whole movie. Uh, So that was the first tiebreaker. Second tiebreaker, name as many celebrity appearances as you can in, t- in 10 oh. seconds. I, I wonder if I could name more than Holden. I, not not that this would have any uh, relevance on next week's episode. Well, I wouldn't be able to hear it if we were, you know. No, I mean, just right now, just in this moment. Leah Thompson, for, Mel Brooks, Daryl Hannah, Donald Trump, Reba McIntyre, um, Olsen Twins. I think you're out of time. I should have been telling that. I don't know. And then add add George Wynn to that. Ah, George Wynn. And and there's one that we didn't mention, and that is Raven Simone. Raven Simone, too. Ah, she's in there for like she, a millisecend. At the very end, she oh, is... Oh, and Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yes. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah. sh- mm, Buckwheat's yeah. mom. Missed a, lo- missed a lot of good ones. So here, here's, the, here's the deal. I have a dice rolling app because I have an exorbitant list of movies that I don't want to have to pick from because... You've compiled a list of 97 movies that we can potentially watch. Uh-huh. I've seen the list. It's, it's excessive. Ex- yeah, it's, it's overkill. Um, I'm really only going to go 1 to 12 here because I think that's the range in which I have most of my first picks is in 1, one through 10 or 1 through 12. Here we go. It's just rolling fives. All right. Do you need to know what number five is on your list? Yeah, give me number five. Number five, Under the Silver Lake. Oh, you would hate that. We're going to find out because you rolled a five and that's your number five movie. That's my number. Now, 
it goes it's not a nostalgic it's not a nostalgic movie but i just really love that movie that's okay that's fine that's why we're here okay i haven't seen it maddie have you seen under the silver lake i have not but it gives me very like horror movie vibes it is not it's interesting it's interesting i know a little bit about it i just i have not seen it so i'm that's the movie we watch it doesn't have to be nostalgic Okay. If you like it and we haven't seen it, that's that is the point here on Unseen Supreme. I actually have a fun fact. Silver Lake as in um Los Angeles. Yes. That's where I got my one and only tattoo was in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. So that's oh. why I rolled a five. I'm just really flustered because I can't believe I won that quiz. <laughs> he was not expecting this. <laughs> it was bound to happen sooner or later. It just happened sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I would like to point out that I've been a really good sport about it. You have. All right. For everyone uh, playing along, next week's movie will be Under the Silver Lake. So if you don't want to have the movie spoiled for you, you'd better you'd better go watch it and tune in next week. On Unseen Supreme, the non-essential movie podcast. Okay. So you can, you can see Under the Silver Lake on Amazon Prime um, or Canopy. I've never heard of that. Uh, With I'm a K. Sure you could also... Yeah. I'm sure you could also rent it from iTunes or any other rentable streaming service uh, or purchase it, perhaps. Maybe you want to go find a Blu-ray copy of it from BestBuy.com. Thanks for joining, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm not talking to y'all. All right, y'all have a good week. He <laughs> <laughs> just ends the Zoom meeting. See you next week. Unseen Supreme. we get like five weeks into this thing and I can't end my sentence with a period, I'm going to have to call a doctor. <laughs>